Thank you. Morning, everybody. Hope. We're up to hope on the, our magnificent journey. <laughs> That's the series we're doing, The Magnificent Journey, the book by James Brian Smith. I'm sort of cheating this morning. I'm going to start with um, a little video, animated video from the Bible Project because uh, they summarize hope better than I ever could. So <laughs> um, let's see if we can flick over to that now, Rob. Thank you. Pretty good. Well, that probably could cover, that probably covers it, really. <laughs> we could... <laughs> We could just we could just gather um, you know get we could just get into groups and talk about um, that um, four minutes that whole that was pretty much a whole series packed into four minutes there. Uh, I think you could have a whole series on hope. There's there's so much going on, uh, and I thought, sort of think I sort of needed to watch that in slow motion to really um, capture everything that they were saying. But hopefully, if you'll indulge me, I'll I'll ramble on for a little bit longer, and we'll um, hopefully cover a bit more of what was already uh, in that video. It certainly helped me watching that. Being hopeful doesn't necessarily mean that you're optimistic. And that was really helpful for me because I, as I was getting ready for this message, I thought, oh, I'm not really the most optimistic person. I started out thinking, oh, I'm not really a hopeful person, but I realized I'm not the most optimistic person. And that doesn't mean I'm not hopeful. Lately, I've been feeling, um, yeah, because it's, it's not simply a, a positive mental attitude that we feel. Hope doesn't simply mean that we always look on the bright side of life. And lately, I've been feeling pretty anxious about the future and probably had my head in the news a little bit too much. But this week, as I prepared, I was um, reading more about this Christian identity of hope, which is different. And that's what I'm going to talk about today, the difference between the Christian biblical hope and hope as we might find it on the street every day. So it's, yeah, it's different. And the more I've been reading about it this week, the more hopeful I've been feeling. Which is probably a little aside that I want to make right now. I'm talking heaps about what is hope today and who we have hope in, but there's a little bit of a gap in my message, which is how we, we get hope or how we find hope. Um, we can maybe talk about that together afterwards. I'm sure you'll have lots of good ideas. Uh, that's one of my key thoughts. Embracing true Christian hope can be tough. But the more we let our imaginations show us who we're hoping for, the bigger our hope can be. Last week, Lloyd taught us about faith. Let's see. There we go. The clicker's working, I think. Which is like the, it's like the sibling to hope. Faith, hope, and love. It's this trinity of um, faith, hope, and love. It's uh, the core of our journey with Christ. Faith, hope, and love. It's overlapping, and it's intertwined, and it's essential to us. And as Lloyd said, faith is very much about our present. It's about our trust in God right now, today. It's trusting even though we don't fully know God. We've had these glimpses. We, we trust even though we don't fully know. We have faith because we've had this taste of God's goodness. And whether that's in prayer and ministry, whether that's in worship, as we sang together so many voices as one just before, whether that's when we find the a truth and that when we re read the Gospels or hear um, Scripture, we find a truth that just rests so deeply in our hearts and minds that um, we, have, we have faith. 
So we find that in lots of places. Um, and Lloyd finished by asking us a, re a, a big question, really, or a, a few questions, which was, who are we as a church? And where are we going? What's, what's our next season? It's a good time to be thinking of this um, as we come out of everything that happened last year. And what's our big dream as a church? What's, what's, what's the big thing that, that we're dreaming of that God could call us into where we might have to take a risk together? And those questions have been playing on my mind this week. It was a great way to end last week. I um, don't have the answer right now. <laughs> but I think it, I'd love for us to all hold on to those questions. Where are we going? Who are we? And what are our dreams? What are our hopes? Uh, it was a great thought. Um, what are our hopes for the church? What is uh, Urban Vineyard? What are we, where are we going? And what does God want for us? For the past year or so, as we all know, our hopes have been revolving around um, hoping that we won't get sick, um, hoping that we will not lose our jobs, or hoping that we might find a new job, um, hoping that we can see family and friends again after being stuck inside. And um, apart from that, on any given day, we might hope for good weather in the weekend. We might hope to find a good car park. <laughs> and these are all natural. They're all natural hopes. And all humans have them. And it seems to me like hope is hardwired in us. I've spoken about this before, and it's, I'm pretty much saying the same thing. With worship, it's like we're, humans are hardwired to worship. We're hardwired to hope for something bigger and better. In everybody, it seems like there's this burning, this burning subconscious feeling that things could be better. In uh, N.T. Wright, he calls it um, echoes of a voice, the longing for justice, uh, the hunger for relationships, for good relationships. C.S. Lewis said, if I find myself in myself, if I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. Hope's hardwired into all of us, whether we're believers or not. We all hope for something, and generally nowadays people might have hope in progress. This was something that really boomed with uh, scientific growth from the 18th, 19th century, the Enlightenment, this idea that progress is going to save us. And sometimes I'll catch myself in a modern way um, seeing, you know, if I'm looking, reading too much about things like the threat of climate change in the next few decades, I'm hoping uh, technical, technological progress can, can save us, can, can help me, save us from disaster. And some people put their hope in politics. Uh, hoping that a group of politicians can bring forward this utopia through policies, which never seems to work. <laughs> but still, it puts this immense, pr it's really interesting, it puts this immense pressure on political leaders these days to appear as these messianic sort of figures, you know. They have to have these huge promises that they're going to make everything better. And maybe it's not um, just today, maybe it's always been that way. Anyway. Often we don't all um, we don't we don't figure out what this feeling is that I'm talking about hope. We don't figure out exactly what this hope is burning within us. We just go through life feeling like things generally could be better, or maybe the struggles of everyday life 
they've, maybe they've smothered out that burning hope that we have. We get hurt. We get let down. Uh, we end up with these little hopes that are easy to handle, little hopes that don't have too much disappointment. And like it says in Proverbs, hope deferred makes the heart grow sick. And tragically, I, th I think probably for all of us in the room, we would know someone who's taken their own life uh, in a moment of hopelessness. So we live in a world that tells us that we're not enough. We live in a world that says unless we succeed at this, um, we're not enough. We're not enough unless we, we buy that new thing. We're not enough if we don't look a certain way. And uh, there are billboards outside all around us that say that uh, we should put our hope into our credit card. Spend more and you'll be satisfied, you know? That's what I'm getting at. But do you remember... Do you <laughs> might be easier for, um, for some than others, um, but do you remember the big hopes that you had when you were younger? We start life full of hope and promise... You know, we, do you remember that feeling of um, finishing school and wondering what job you might land and wondering where that will take you, what sort of career you're going to end up on, wondering if you'll travel, where you'll go and who you'll meet, the whole world of new people and wondering if you'll fall in love and who that'll be. And it's a, it's a time of life when you're young and full of hope and promise, you're full of potential and you're full of wonder. And biblical hope. Biblical hope is like that, I think. It's full of the great beyond. It's full of longing and mystery and wonder about who God is and what eternal life with God could be. And biblical hope, that's what, um, that's what it is. It looks beyond this world. And we don't probably, maybe, we, maybe I've forgotten, but I don't think we talk too much about um, the great beyond because, well, it's, it is a mystery to us. But it's, it's a fun thing just to engage the imagination and wonder and wonder what it's going to be like. I think when I do that, that's where I start feeling a bit of hope. Anyway, it's also much more than that, of course. Christian hope is grounded in reality as well. It's grounded in the realities of our world and it's grounded in perseverance through suffering. And that's what we saw earlier in the Bible Project video with Isaiah and with um, Hosea. Isaiah put his hope in God himself when the Lord was hiding his face from the descendants of Jacob. He says, I will put my trust in him, despite what he could see before him. So in Psalm 130, thanks Rob if you can click to the next one, the writer says, Out of the depths I cry to you. Lord, Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. I wait for the Lord. That's the other part of hope, waiting. I wait for the Lord. My hope, my whole being waits. And in his word I put my hope. I wait for the Lord more than watchmen wait for the morning. And then here we are today. In one of the most uh, wealthy societies in the world, in a democracy where we can freely express our worship. And generally we're pretty comfortable, but also we are, as I said before, we're bombarded with these reasons to be anxious. We're told that, um, you know, there are all these things we should worry about. And uh, as, as, a, as, a, as a little apology, 
working in the media, it's um, when when we are, when the media is at its best, we're prophetic. You know, we're um, shining a light on injustice, and we're bringing truth, and we're bringing change where it needs to. We're bringing justice where it needs to come. But when we're at our worst, we're just peddling anxiety, <laughs> and you can make a lot of money off worry, can't you? Around us, we see neighbors in material need and hardship. We see people isolated. We see people losing hope. So as a church, as Christians, we stand with those people. We stand with the people that society rejects. And our hope is a hope with them. Our hope cries out to God for this world around us. So biblical hope is very grounded in reality in the world around us. It's grounded in perseverance through suffering. But what really makes true Christian hope different from everyday hope is the resurrection. And this, this is such a perfect time to be talking about this just in the wake of Easter. It's not just optimism based on the odds, as they say in the Bible Project. Uh, we've got the resurrection. Our hope is our anchor. It rests in what God has promised and on what God has already done. N.T. Wright says, Easter was when hope in person surprised the whole world by coming forward from the future into the present. And the resurrection of Jesus is the foundation of our hope. As James Bryan Smith says, we know what God has done and so we trust what God has can do and what God will do. It's not something that we could do. It's, as Smith says, it's something supernatural. So we can hope that God is ultimately in charge of our future. So that's what I'm saying. That's what makes this hope that we have, biblical hope, different from everyday hope, is that we're looking back and that helps us to look forward. That's the knowledge that our hope stands on. It's not just a vague yearning, but a confident expectation, as Paul says, that all things will be made right. And what also makes this Christian hope so amazing is that, as I was reading in a book, um, a book that a lot of theology students use um, by uh, Gordon Fee, is it, Johnny? God could have just done it a different way, could have said, here's, here's the truth, here's what you need to know, and somehow divinely sent it to us from above or beyond or wherever. God could have done it that way and we could have wrote learned it. But instead, God was born into this world, born into his own creation in the most fragile way, born into the smells and the noises of our world. And then he suffers death and he, he rises again and he brings the new creation into the present. He brings the new creation into this one. He chose to speak to us at that particular time and place in human history. And that's why we can have hope, right? Because, because God chose to speak in the context of real human history. That's why we can take courage that God's voice is speaking us to us again in real history. Jesus rose from the dead alive, and he has remained alive ever since. If you can click to the next slide, Rob, thank you. And that's why Peter calls it a living hope, because Jesus is forever alive. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, it says in First Peter. A resurrection from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, 
spoil or fade. And as we know from the story of Pentecost, by the power of God's Spirit, Christ is now in us. So Christ is inhabited, is, is in us. Christ is in you and Christ is in me. And what that means, well, <laughs> that's another mystery that we continue to explore. That's what the magnificent journey is all about, as James Bryan Smith would say. Christ is alive in you and in me. James Bryan Smith says that Christ will be in us when we face our death in this world, and Christ will be with us beyond. The grave could not stop Jesus, and the grave cannot stop Christ within us. The grave could not stop Jesus, and the grave cannot stop Christ within us. And that's why we can hope. But our hope is not just about eternal life in some other place, as I often bang on about, and as you'll well know N.T. Wright has written great books about as well. It's not about being taken off to some other place. It's um, The church in the past has thought that that's what it's all about, but Jesus became human. He became one of us to bring God's kingdom to earth. He walked through our world in his resurrected body, and at the end of the Gospels, he finds his friends again on the beach. He finds Peter, and they eat together. He taught his disciples to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There's the answer right there. We're not going off to some other place. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So hope is the key to the Lord's prayer. When we pray those words, we are hoping. Father in heaven, holy is your name. Let your kingdom come, your will be done on earth today as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. It goes on. The Lord's Prayer is all about heaven coming to earth. And even though we wait and hope for God to return and to set things right, we can see kingdom breakthrough today. We can see a glimpse of the end, that end that we hope for, which has already begun. But now and not yet, which is... Sounds so simple, but it's so hard to comprehend and so, so uh, mysterious. So our hope for the kingdom drives us to see more of it today on earth as it is in heaven. We don't just hide away and um, hide from the world and hope that we're going to be taken away one day. We actually, as Christian hope, biblical hope, is what takes us out onto the street and it takes us into the world. Christian hope doesn't close our eyes to the suffering of the world. As the great theologian Jürgen Moltmann says, Jürgen Moltmann said, uh, those who hope in Christ can no longer put up with reality as it is. But we begin to suffer under it. We begin to contradict it. Thanks, Rob. We're called to struggle against the world's apathy. We're called to struggle against apathy, we're called to struggle against resignation, and we're called to plant seeds of hope and new life that God cultivates and brings to fruition. And Martin Luther is thought to have said, if I knew tomorrow that the world would end, I'd still plant an apple tree today. So even in the darkest hour, our hope is what keeps us going. We hope in the steadfast love of God that raises the dead and brings a transformed heaven and earth filled with God's righteousness, freedom, and peace. And we hope for the coming of God's glory, for the final healing of the nations, 
as it says in Revelation, we hope for the realization of God's reign of justice and peace throughout the groaning creation, for the end of all crying and death, for everlasting life in God's joyful world of love. There's so many scriptures about hope, it was hard to choose what to focus on today. There's a great one in Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I think that's a little clue to how we get hope. Through the Holy Spirit. It's not listed in the gifts of the Spirit, but I think when you read that, you realize hope is something that's given to us by the power of the Holy Spirit. God's kingdom is inexhaustibly rich, the theologian Daniel Meliori says. The redeemed will never be sated by it or bored by it, never feel that they've gotten to the bottom of it. The rest and the peace of eternal life will not be an eternal sleep. There will be unending discovery and joy and communion. In the journey with God, there will be ever new surprises and adventures as God's gift of life and love goes on unfolding boundlessly. And these are just glimpses. These are, this is where our imagination can kick in. It's a hope and a fulfillment of life beyond all that we deserve or can even imagine. And we can taste it now. I think we taste it when we worship together, when we take communion together, and when we have that experience in ministry of the Holy Spirit. So that's my rant on hope. As I said, I think we could do a whole series on it. <laughs> and that's what biblical hope is for us. And I hope that, I hope, <laughs> I confidently expect that, that we can engage our imaginations in what God has in store for us as individuals, but also as a church. Uh, right here and now, this year, next year, but also in that great beyond. So with that in mind, I'll just ask that question again that Lloyd asked. What, what are we hoping for as a church? Who are we? Who's Urban Vineyard and where are we going? And what's that, what's that thought, that hope, that dream that seems too big to ask that God might call us into. Let's let that let those questions just simmer away as we um, as we continue this morning, as we pray together, and um, as we as we as we worship together, and as we talk together. And I'll leave you with that.